As you know, the On Farm podcast is brought to you by the team at Seen and Heard PR and Marketing. And I just wanted to remind you about a new initiative that's happening here called On Record. On Record is a project to preserve voices, stories and memories for the future with your very own audio recording. So we're recording memories of rural life. We're travelling around Scotland, working with families and organisations to capture precious voices of family members or staff members or long-serving office bearers to preserve those for posterity and sometimes for historical value. So if you think this project is something that you'd like to be involved in and maybe you have a grandparent or a parent that you'd like to capture on audio while you can, please do get in touch. You can find out more at onrecordmemories.co.uk. So we normally find a dry spot on the beach and dump our bags, get stripped off, bobble hats on, need a bobble hat, and then just go for it. It takes a while sometimes to wade out to get deep enough. But you just Welcome to On Farm. I'm Anna Davis and you are joining me as I'm getting all set to enjoy one of my big passions. I love sea swimming and as you can hear, I'm at the beach now with friends. It's quite early, about half seven in the morning. But we're regulars. We come here every Thursday morning, if not more often, and um, get into the water. It's not very easy sometimes. Needs a bit of motivation. You get about thigh height and you think, why am I doing this exactly? But there's a massive payoff, I guess. That's why we're here and that's why we do it. We love it. And we kind of got started as a group in lockdown because it, lockdown was tough. We were all juggling work, kids, the whole stress of lockdown in general. And we needed something to keep us sane and to keep us going. And swimming has definitely done that and continues to do that. We laugh the fact that we think the bobble hats are so important because you know we're just about to get into the freezing ocean and yet we have to have a bobble hat on. But why is all this relevant to the podcast? You're probably wondering. Well, this episode is being published at the start of Mental Health Awareness Week, which runs from Monday the 10th of May until Sunday the 16th of May, that's 2021, in case you're listening in the future. The theme of the week is nature, so of course, massively relevant to us on On Farm. And so it's all about how getting outside into the countryside, into wild and open spaces to enjoy nature can benefit mental health. And yeah, I can certainly give it my vote. This is going to be a very busy and packed episode that we're making in partnership with the Scottish Rural Network, which is part of the Scottish Rural Development Programme. We're going to be hearing from a huge range of different people with very different perspectives on why nature and being outdoors in the environment is good for mental health. Coming up, we have Andy McKenna, who left urban Glasgow to run a mountain bike touring business with his wife, Anila, in the borders. Being outdoors has helped him manage both the physical and mental struggles of coping with his multiple sclerosis diagnosis. I was out in some really foul conditions, storms, snow, driving winds. You know, it would just be a cliche to say that it is always the most liberating thing to get out in nature. Sometimes it just feels like hard work, but I, I don't know of a single instance that I haven't felt something amazing at the end of it all. There's also Sheena Horner, a Galloway farmer whose outdoor challenges have supported not only her mental health but also others in rural Scotland because she's been raising money for RSABI. The raising funds was just the additional bit, it was it was getting people just out there and it was fantastic, the camaraderie that we had between that and everybody just talking and being open with one another. 
and there's much more besides. We're really taking this theme, nature and mental health, and hearing from a huge variety of interesting people and, as you'll hear, packing a lot in. Right, I am getting quite cold standing here. I can hear that my friends behind me are desperate to get in the water. Um, so it's time to do some actual swimming. But our first conversation is with Dr. Pamela Jenkins from the Mental Health Foundation, who runs Mental Health Awareness Week each year. You, Pamela, sound like a very busy lady, and I imagine that you're particularly busy at the moment, as are probably all of your colleagues, because we're talking to you during National Mental Health Awareness Week. So I wonder if you could start by telling us a bit more about that week, what it's about and why an Awareness Week was created. Of course. So Mental Health Awareness Week is the Mental Health Foundation's Awareness Week, which takes place in May each year. It's been going for 21 years now um, wow. and actually is one of the biggest awareness weeks in the UK and globally. Each year, the Mental Health Foundation picks a topic that is or a theme that is relevant to that time and allows us to share new research, make recommendations for policy and really critically engage the public. This year, the theme is nature and the environment, which isn't the only reason why we're covering Mental Health Awareness Week, but obviously it's particularly relevant to us because we are the On Farm podcast and farm stands for food, agriculture and rural matters. So we're very rural and very countryside in our focus. Why a focus on nature and the environment this year? Nature was chosen this year because, you know, we know that nature is an effective way of tackling mental health problems. And, and research has shown that many of us this year, this past year particularly, have engaged more with nature during the pandemic. And walks outside have actually been reported as one of the top coping strategies. So go to mentalhealth.org.uk, start uploading your stories. We've got our hashtags, hashtag connect with nature, hashtag connect with mental health awareness week to share your stories, your photographs. We want to get everybody engaged in that conversation about the benefits. Yeah, obviously, you know, getting outside into nature is critical here, but perhaps it's a little bit more nuanced than that in terms of how we can actually allow nature to benefit us, you know, how we can actually create that connection. One of the really important things is that we all have different experiences of nature and we all engage with it in different ways. So there's no prescribed way of doing this. You do something that you enjoy and that you are comfortable with. A lot of people enjoy taking part in activities alone. Other people like to be with others. If you want to be with others, if you want to be outside in nature with others, ask for support if you need it. You know, there's an assumption that engaging with nature would be a very easy thing to do. But for a lot of people, there are barriers there that prevent them from engaging. Environmental factors such as not having a garden or not having local green space available, or they have physical barriers such as tiredness. So I think what's very important is that people begin small. There are many different things that you can do. We automatically think of exercise outdoors or mm. walking outdoors. Obviously, that's one of them. But you can grow food and flowers, which is also a way of bringing nature inside. You can eat outdoors. Other ways, such as engaging with environmental pursuits, you know, helping the environment, litter picking, building it up and engaging in a way that, that you feel comfortable with. That's great advice there. And we will be coming back to Dr. Pamela Jenkins at the end of the podcast with details of organisations who can offer help if you are experiencing serious mental health issues. Over the 60 or so on-farm episodes we have put out so far, mental health has been a topic we've come back to time and time again. 
Here are just a couple of examples, starting with Will Evans, presenter of the Rock and Roll Farming podcast, describing how when things got too much, he had to take a break. I, um, like a lot of people, had a really sort of difficult summer. The weather was terrible. Um, the harvest dragged on and on and on. And just sort of pressures of farming and everyday life and everything built up and it all got a bit on top of me so yeah I did I did have a break from the podcast for I think I think I think it was about four months in the end. When you brought it back what was it that made you think right now now is the right time I feel ready? I had a few mental health problems uh, which was probably just burnout really Mm. and I sort of got to a point where it's it's hard to articulate but but I I felt like everything was crashing down on, on me and because I probably was doing too many things all at once I felt like I wasn't doing anything well enough and I was kind of letting everybody down so I wasn't spending enough time with yeah. my wife and my kids so then I was letting them down and then if I was with them I felt like I was letting the farm down and then I uh, you know I wasn't I felt like I wasn't doing the podcast well enough because I didn't have enough time to do research and things so Uh, it just all kind of came crashing down and you know in the end I went to the GP I was on antidepressants for six months which I'm you know I'm very happy to talk about because it's you know it is an illness and you know you should we need to raise awareness we do and you know I'm not ashamed of it 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 is what it is and, and I'm great now I'm fine Well, Will highlighted how important it is to talk about mental health. Over the past year, with so many farming events cancelled, it's actually been a challenge. Professor Sarah Skerritt has done significant academic research into rural isolation and she volunteers at the National Rural Mental Health Forum stand at the Highland Show when, of course, the Highland Show takes place. In a podcast last summer, she highlighted the importance of getting together as a community. People have told us how important it is to them to connect and really connecting in ordinary places and in ordinary ways. You hear that when you're walking around the show, people saying, oh gosh, you know, I didn't expect to see you. There's a couple of stories of people really opening up. The Highland Show and other shows offer that opportunity for people if they want to be incredibly open, you know, and again, that might be the only time in a year that they are. There was one, I hope I can tell it without crying because it really moved me. There was this old farmer who came up and he stood at the front of the tent because it's, you know, it's labelled the National Rural Mental Health Forum. And he stood there for a while and, you know, obviously you'd, you'd judge whether to go up to someone or not. And I didn't. And he came over and he started talking to me and, and then said that he tried to take his life. And uh, you listen and you know, try and understand. And he said if it hadn't been for his dogs, he wouldn't be there. And the dog put his head on his knee and that's what stopped him. But thank goodness he was able to talk about it. It's so important to find those opportunities wherever you can just to to talk. The benefits of fresh air exercise and companionship are central to today's podcast and someone who gets more than his fair share of all three is my next guest. My name is Andy McKenna. I uh, live in the glorious Scottish Borders village of Clovenforts near Gala Shields. Depending on which day you catch me on and which hat I'm wearing, uh, I am um, a partner with my wife Anila. We run a 
cycling experience and guiding business and have since 2008. We run bike experiences, mountain bike, gravel, bike backing tours all over Scotland. Or we certainly did pre-COVID and we will again. I know Clovenfords because my cousin lives in Clovenfords. So I know exactly where you are. I understand that you are somebody who moved to be closer to nature for your life and for your work. Was that anything to do with kind of improving or enhancing your mental health? I think absolutely. We moved out of the West End of Glasgow about 16, 17 years ago. Having nature, having bike rides on your doorstep was absolutely the driving force. Just one quick aside, I've been diagnosed with MS, multiple sclerosis, um, since 2007. And um, I've frustrated and defied my neurologist since day one. And I managed the, the trajectory of that purely through activity and diet and lifestyle and managing stress and so on. And, and, and absolutely integral to that is being outside and being active. And for me, riding my bike. So I recognise that it would be very easy to slip down a, a dark slope with a condition like MS. Whereas I feel pretty optimistic about it because I spend so much time outside and it gives me so much back. Uh, obviously, COVID aside, you interact with and meet with a huge number of people. Do you think the very nature of your business is helping some of those people with, you know, and I don't just mean serious mental health issues. I mean, you know, I mean, just kind of day to day mental well-being as well. Do you think biking and getting out there is helping some of your customers and clients too? 100%. And it's not just about riding bikes. It's about the bonds and connections that get made with other guests. It's our guiding team. They're all phenomenal human beings and although they're highly qualified uh, mountain bike guides they're also amateur psychologists I mean I'm pretty jaded I've been doing this a very long time or, or let's just say I should be pretty jaded but my wife Anila and I still tear up at some of they're, they're not really trip reviews they're more personal experiences that people share with us it does feel like sometimes we're facilitating something quite important for people. And that that is something that we're really proud of. Quite And quite rightly, you should be. You got me thinking that absolutely, you know, where it's relevant, anybody suffering from mental health issues should absolutely seek expert help. And I don't think anybody would dispute that. But I suppose it's really highlighting for me that actually help can come from any quarter, can't it? Your team, as you say, they're not qualified counsellors, are they? But they are providing help to people because of the environment that they're providing and the activity that they're delivering. And it's a perfect opportunity to to make reference to Dimbins. Developing mountain biking in Scotland is a, a, a an organisation who have very recently appointed a, a mental health first aid mountain bike guide. They're just in post. Ultimately, they're going to be supporting groups with mental health needs through participation in mountain biking. For for me, um, just managing MS, I went through a spell, I think I rode 131 days consecutively. It, 
and and I I was really trying to pick a mental health charity that really got under my skin, and I, and I chose a charity called Dare to Express, and their aim is to raise four hundred and fifty pound mental health grants that go to specialists to support people that are in a really dark place, and selfishly that gave me the motivation to get up during the winter during COVID to get out and ride my bike because if I don't ride my bike, NS starts to take hold. Sometimes you're just thinking, who am I doing this for? And then you would turn that corner and, and it, you would just get that lift, um, that, that sensation. And even sometimes it wasn't about the physical act of the exercise. It was just being outside and breathing. Your lungs would fill up, your head would come up and you would take in the views and that is an incredible sensation. Even when you don't feel like it, try to get in amongst it and be outside regularly. Excellent advice. And thanks to Andy for sharing his passion for mountain biking and his own story with us. Of course, in order to spend time in green spaces to improve our mental health and well-being, we need to all be able to access those outdoor spaces. Gavin Morton is the development officer for the Green Action Trust, who manage the John Muir Way, one of Scotland's most accessible routes. And he explained a bit about its fascinating history. The, the John Muir Way is actually, it's only now seven years old. It's a relatively recent trail. It's one of Scotland's great trails. And it was created and launched in 2014 to coincide with the the centenary of John Muir's death. Although there, there had been a John Muir Way in East Lothian for quite some time before that, but it was quite a short trail. And it was situated there because John Muir was born in Dunbar. Now, the concept for the whole coast-to-coast John Muir Way, that came about really through our former chairman, Keith Geddes, and the idea was to extend the John Muir Way right the way from Dunbar to Helensburgh on the west coast as part of the Central Scotland Green Network. Now, if you don't know anything about the Central Scotland Green Network, it's actually Europe's biggest green space infrastructure project. Uh, and this runs across a huge area of Central Scotland from Ayrshire right through to Fife and, and the Lothians. And the, the whole impetus behind the Central Scotland Green Network or the CSGN is to bring the benefits of green space, of health and well-being, of connecting with nature and allowing accessibility to the whole of central Scotland and, and let people in urban areas very easily get out and enjoy the benefits of walking and cycling and, and benefiting from that environment. So a little bit about the trail itself. As I say, it links Helensborough and the Firth of Clyde with Dunbar on the Firth of Forth. It's 134 miles long and there are uh, fully waymarked uh, walking and cycling versions of, of the trail. So you can, you can bike it from end to end uh, or you can walk it. It's really accessible to uh, such a lot of the population of Scotland. I think it's just under half of the population of Scotland wow. lives within around 10 miles of the trail. Uh, so it, 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 that's amazing. Yeah, it's 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 the only one of Scotland's great trails, uh, you know, that that's accessible to so many people, and of course because of that, it's served also by public transport really well. So it means you can do parts of it. You don't have to undertake the entire trail end to end, you know, as a as a walking holiday, say. Although a lot of people do. 
Well, Gavin, you've led me very nicely into my next question, actually, because with the theme of Mental Health Awareness Week this year being nature, we're obviously discussing the importance of green space and the countryside to health and well mental well-being. You've mentioned you've had involvement in the John Muir Way for a number of years. I'm sure you've walked most, if not all of it, in your time. But what do you think it really is about nature and about giving people access to nature that can help their mental well-being? That's a big question. Um, you know, <laughs> no, no, it's, it's big, that's OK. I think there's a real link here, and, and this is a theme that runs through the Central Scotland Green Network and the, the Green Action Trust's work as well, wanting to help more people just benefit from that connection with green space and nature. Now, that might just be you know something small, like it, it's, it's a small bit of, of woodland parkland uh, that has birds, insects, you, you know, we're not talking about national parks with bears roaming through them or anything, you know, but even that small, just natural link to be aware of what's going on out with the four walls you're in, if you've been stuck in, to just realise that you're, A, you're part of something that is is a lot bigger than our normal urban environment. And just the constant change that goes on in nature through the seasons, you know, you, you can just go for a walk and see, right, there's buds in the trees in the spring, and then you go out the next week and it's all changed. It just literally breathes fresh air through that uh, the normal humdrum existence. Now, we could get all uh, philosophical and, and go into more of John Muir's you know, sort of writings. And, and he was a great advocate of connecting with na- the nature, even the, the nature on your doorstep. He was a real advocate of simply just get out of the city and... Uh, realise what you're part of. That's what I think. (laughs) I agree with you. Uh, I find that one of my favourite flowers, I don't know if it's the colour, I don't know if it's the time of year, but one of my favourite flowers are daffodils. And the moment I see them starting to appear in the spring, I feel physically and mentally uplifted. Um, There's no other way to describe it. And um, yeah. And almost sad when they start to disappear, but but then you know they're replaced then by by other things. So I, I totally understand what you're saying, Gavin. Just before we finish off, if there is anybody listening and they're thinking, oh, yeah, I've, you know, I've heard of John Muir, but I actually didn't know about the breadth, the literal breadth of the John Muir Way. Where can they go to find out more information? Because as we've said, giving people the ability to access rural spaces and the countryside is critical to helping maintain mental well-being. So we need to signpost. So if you could signpost people to find out more about the John Muir Way, then hopefully that'll encourage more people to get out and explore it. Yes, absolutely. Well, we have a website, uh, which is uh, simply johnmuirway.org. And on that website, you'll find everything you need to know about uh, the trail, where it goes, how to get to different parts of it. So there's a wealth of information there. Or if they want to follow us on social media, they can do that uh, on particularly Facebook, I would say, uh, at the John Muir Way and find us there and links are on the website as well to to our social media. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Well, I have um, set myself a challenge. The next 10 walks I go on, I'm going to go to 10 places that I've never been before for a walk. So it's got me thinking and hopefully you've got other people thinking too that even though I've got countryside on my doorstep, it's nice to explore new places and get that extra feeling of of connection so gavin thank you very much for for taking the time to chat to us i really appreciate it and uh, uh i think you'll have inspired lots of people to get out and explore
Exploring and spending time in the countryside is valuable, but not obviously a cure-all on its own. After all, mental health problems in rural areas are well documented. Lockdown restrictions recently have left some people feeling increasingly isolated, while busy farming lives often allow little time for rest and relaxation. In order to reap the benefits, we need to find ways to really connect with and appreciate the incredible surroundings that we live in. My next two guests, Hugh Asher and Sheena Horner, have both been seeking solutions to these challenges. I'm Sheena Horner. Um, my predominant business is I'm a chilli farmer down in southwest Scotland, um, just outside Wigtown. And um, I also run a freelance consultancy business as well in the food and farming sector. Hi, I'm Hugh and I uh, run Derek Social Croft uh, over in Ardmerkin with my wife. And I also work for a local mental health charity called Ewan's Room. Sheena, now we, we, you and I have met before, um, but I've seen your face a lot recently on social media because I understand that you have been uh, one of the, the ringleaders, should I say, of a fantastic um, fundraising challenge that's been taking place recently called Run 1000. Uh, I wonder if you could tell us a bit more about that challenge and how it got started and what you're fundraising for. Well, the challenge kind of came about um, nearly a year ago now. We were in lockdown. I used to enjoy getting out and doing park runs. And um, they stopped and I I started going out just running on my own. And when I'm out running, I'm, I'm quite good at thinking of other things. And I was just thinking about how nobody's out running anymore. Nobody's out exercising. But also in the agricultural community, nobody's at local agricultural shows. They're not talking to each other. They're, they're not at auctions even, just having a chat and a catch-up. And just thinking about how... It was affecting people's mental health and also I was a in part of RSABI's Great Glen Challenge. I used to sponsor that and I was thinking about that was a big part of income that wasn't going to happen this year and just wondering how it affected other charities. So um, I, I discussed it with Nina at RSABI and basically the idea for Run 1000 came about was how we could challenge people to get outdoors and exercise, whether it was running or walking, but also raise funds for the great charities we have in this country. Sheena, the first thing that impressed me about what you just said is the fact that you're able to think while you go running, because uh, to me, that is quite an achievement. Very impressive. Have you noticed anything in terms of speaking to, to some of the people who've been taking part in the challenge and getting out there and doing some running? Have you noticed anything in terms of how they've been sort of talking about their own mental health and whether or not that's been positively affected by this? That that was basically that was the best thing about it. The, the raising funds was just the additional bit. It was it was getting people just out there, and um, we actually had Strava groups set up for all the teams, and it was fantastic. The camaraderie that we had between that and everybody just talking and being open with one another, and I also received a couple of emails afterwards just to say how the difference it had made to to people and and getting out there and 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 doing something positive and feeling better for it. Definitely. Just moving on to, to you, Hugh. Now, I know you wear a few hats. You're, you're involved in the National Rural Mental Health Forum and you've spoken at a number of their events. But talking from a personal perspective about Dara Social Croft and your business, can you tell us a little bit about that business and how that is kind of indelibly intertwined, as it were, with helping people with the mental health challenges? Yeah, so we're a, a working croft. We're about 12 acres and we have uh, sheep and chickens and cows and uh, pygmy goats, which uh, are a definite part of what we do. Both of me and my wife have backgrounds in working with people with mental health 
difficulties, learning disabilities, autism, things like that. So what we do, we think, is is fairly unique because we, we blend three different approaches, really. So there's what might be seen as care farming activities, so getting hands-on with the animals, the goats, really, in particular, you know, you can see them relax. Uh, it really brings a smile to your, your face. I don't think you can be unhappy around pygmy goats. Uh, we do quite a bit of what we call nature-based craft activities. So this can involve, you know, foraging in the local area for things to use in craft activities or doing things involving wool uh, from our, our own sheep. And the third bit is I have a, a real particular interest in you know, what we might call nature mindfulness, particularly a, a practice called forest bathing. This fascinates me, Hugh. Um, as everybody knows, because we heard earlier on, I'm verging on obsessed with wild swimming, but I don't know as much about forest bathing. Can, can you tell me a little bit more about it and how, how it benefits people? Forest bathing really describes a practice of walking slowly and leisurely through the woods or forest, uh, sort of immersing yourself in the natural environment. And it's about mindfully using all your five senses. So focusing on the things that you can see, the things that you can hear, the things that you can smell uh, and potentially taste as well. And people who follow this kind of practice do commonly report that they find it physically, psychologically and quite often spiritually beneficial just to spend time sort of bathing in the atmosphere of the forest. This is where the bathing part comes from. It, it doesn't uh, actually require a, a wetsuit or a, a swimming costume like your wild swimming. It's just about sort of bathing in the atmosphere. And it's really great at the end of, of a walk when somebody says, you know, this is amazing. I, I walk in this woodland once or twice a week and I have done for 10 years and I've noticed things today that I've never noticed before. It can really help people move away from the default settings that they have. Sheena, do you think we could all make a bit of a start then if we were just a little bit more mindful, if we just slowed down a little bit? The farming community is out in the countryside all the time, but often they're so busy getting the job done, they don't have time to slow down, stop. You've, you've hit the nail on the head there, I think, by saying well-being. I mean, on farms, I think we lead such busy lives and, and we're not looking at what's happening around us. We're really good at becoming workaholics. I mean, even myself at the moment, I, I'm never off this computer screen. I, I'm working constantly and I really do try and make myself a point of, of going out for a run or a walk and I don't listen to music I just go out there and see what's happening round about me and just look at nature and I'm out first thing in the morning and in March the mad March hares were out and about and you were seeing the lambs running about and I just think yeah it just makes you feel overall just so much better and just at one and I mean we are lucky that we, we can get out there and we can see what's happening but an awful lot of the time we don't and that's where the problem lies. Yeah absolutely a lot of it's sort of about nature connection you could be in nature without being really at all connected to it. Uh, picking up a bit on what Sheila was saying earlier there's a, a particular forest bathing practice called sit spot which is about mindfully sitting, connecting with nature, understanding your, your place in nature. You get a real understanding of the changes of, of the seasons. So you see the buds come out, you see the trees change colour. Uh, but the other thing is this taking time out from things. You know, I, I work th three jobs, run a croft, I'm busy all the time. 
And the mantra that I kind of try and, and live by at the moment, a Buddhist one, which is that you should sit in meditation for 20 minutes a day, and that if you don't have time to do that, then you should sit in meditation for an hour. So the idea is that at the very times that you feel that you don't have time to stop and slow down, at the times when it's most beneficial to stop and slow down. I, I completely, completely agree with everything you've said. Um, but just before we wrap up, just Sheena, any, any final thoughts from you? It was just everything that Hugh was saying there, I was just totally going, yes, yes, totally agree and all the rest of it. But the other thing we've got to be very, very careful is actually when we are doing this, that we get maybe a bigger, even stronger feeling of isolation. And it's just a case of maybe that once you've done that and, and got your thoughts in place and, and you do feel relaxed, it's maybe if you are going out for a walk, pick up your phone and, and when the way back home, phone a friend and, and see how they are doing and, and how they're coping and, and if they're okay as well. Because we need, we need to think of ourselves, but also we need to think of others too. Gosh, Sheila, yeah, absolutely. Massively relevant point. And I think that's where technology becomes our friend particularly at the moment i think it's just it's keeping that conversation going i think that's the main thing and, and getting people to get out and do stuff i mean um, i'm actually in going to have a conversation with rsabi this week about the great glen challenge and how maybe we can do something about it this year i actually myself i'm now getting out and exercising for 81 days in a row because the dpj foundation are actually doing the um, wales coastal path challenge so i mean it's actually great to see these organisations, they're thinking of ways they can fundraise, but also get people outdoors and exercising. Wow. Thank you both so much. Thank you both. Really appreciate it. Oh, wow. It was amazing, as always. You just feel, I kind of feel physically and mentally just like two stone lighter when I come out of the water. Right, so yeah, we're now coming to the end of this very busy and hectic episode of On Farm. I'm still standing here in my cosy on the beach, freezing. Um, but as always, thank you very much for spending time with us and listening to my prattling about my passion of wild swimming. My fingers are wrinkly and I'm tired, but I'm ready to face the day. We've heard so much today about how accessing the countryside and nature benefits a wide range of people. So with that in mind, just wanted to let you know about the Improving Public Access Fund, which is part of the Scottish Government's Rural Development Programme. It is now open to funding applications until the end of June 2021. So be quick. Um, it's a great pot of money that enables people to get into the countryside as safely as possible and makes the countryside accessible for all. And as we know, that is hugely beneficial for, for all our mental health, I think. Before we go, Another bit of really important information, there are many trusted places to go to get help if you or someone around you is struggling with mental ill health. Obviously for Scotland's rural and agricultural workers, RSABI is an amazing and dedicated support and you can call them on 0300 111 4166. Even if you don't need that number now, put it in your phone because you just never know when you might need it. But also we've got the last word here from the Mental Health Foundation's Dr. Pamela Jenkins with some more tips and advice on where you can go um, when you feel as though you're in crisis. Absolutely. So if you think you're developing a mental health problem, then seek advice and support from your GP as, as soon as possible. And if you're in distress and need immediate help, then you would visit your local A&E. 
If you feel that you're struggling with mental health, it's really important to speak to someone about how you're feeling. So a trusted family member or friend, perhaps, you know, your HR department or support service. But if you don't feel comfortable talking to someone in person, there are helplines that you can call. Smartens Breathing Space in Scotland and the tech service Shout. If you go to the Mental Health Foundation website and click on your mental health, there's advice and signposting to all of these helplines and further support if you're having problems and if you need somebody to talk to. Mm-hmm.